2: I see signs pointing us to Indiana 37. And, uh, you know, it's bittersweet. It is. We are, um... You know... Oh, oh. oh. <laughs> <Not> J- th- <laughs> just changing lanes and changing my mind as I'm changing lanes. Because we could have shot straight out to 37. But this this drive...
3: I like this drive.
2: This is the drive that takes you back, winding out the north side of Bloomington. And, and to me, coming... South into Bloomington every time as an undergrad. That's when you knew you were there. Yeah. Right. You, you come off at 37, you go over the overpass, which now says Indiana University on it. I saw that. It's really nice. And it's just this this beautiful way to enter the most wonderful town in the world, which we now are leaving.
3: Yeah. And we're at this corner of forty-five, forty-six, and in college, heading north on college. To our right is Denny's. Now, I used to live in Walnut Knolls right behind Denny's, (laughs) and I don't know why this was a thing, but my sophomore year when I lived in Walnut Knolls, we would go to Denny's regularly. Sure. At around 2 a.m. Yeah. Almost without fail, we would go to the Denny's at 2 a.m., and at some point within 10 minutes of arriving and being sat at a table, I would bow my head down and put on a full Batman mask. (laughs) That you brought with you from the apartment? Yes. Always brought it with me. I would put on the Batman mask, and I would go around the Denny's talking to people and waiters and waitresses and just saying, uh, ordering something or saying, hey, can I get something at that table? And uh, they would say, what? And I would just, whenever the right moment came, I would just simply respond, I'm Batman. Yes, you did. Good for you. And that gave us endless hours of enjoyment and entertainment. But the other thing that that corner that we were just at does, it's exactly what you were saying. When we would drive here from St. Louis, or I would drive here from Martinsville, because my ex-wife lived in Martinsville. I would drive from Martinsville back here. That corner was like, all right, I'm back in Bloomington. Or the opposite. I'm leaving. This is it. It's like the corner of the campus. And it always made me sad to leave, and it makes me sad to leave now. Because we just had one hell of a weekend. It's becoming a
2: thing. Bloomington is a, a pretty much a guaranteed good time just like it was back in the days and this is something we were realizing this weekend was before the podcast was a part of these trips back. It would be a trip down memory lane when we came here exclusively and you know, our dads would be with their family and and it was always it was always lovely, but there was there was a certain sadness that, like, well, we're no longer a part of this place, except for, you know, the fanhood and the, and the basketball and coming back. But it, it wasn't our community necessarily anymore. But with the podcast, it's just connected us to so many people who they might be living here, working here, studying here, or coming back like we are but it's alive again it's it's a living breathing current community of people all connected through the love of of iu of bloomington and of course indiana basketball that it's like oh it's it's home again now actively i'm not just trying to remember what was it now is again
3: totally and a lot of that has to do with how special the actual physical campus is but the overwhelmingly majority of it has to do with the people that we've had the pleasure of meeting because of doing this podcast, you know, sending out tweets, people recognizing us, wanting to come hang out and just talk about Indiana. Yeah. Just, what about that game? We were at Knicks the night before the game and people coming up and just wanting to talk about what's going to happen tomorrow. What do we need to do to get this thing cooking? Yeah. And we all just feel... Ward and I, I think not speaking for you, Ward But I just feel t- so much more connected To this thing that I have loved my entire life I don't think I've ever felt more connected to it and, Absolutely And it makes the wins more enjoyable And it makes the losses more painful But I will tell you this, man When we started this podcast I was negative. We used to make fun of me for being negative.
2: Yeah, I was the uh, positive guy. Yeah,
3: and I can still go negative with the best of them. We all can. Yeah, we all can. But I support Indiana University, and I support this staff and what they are attempting to do, and I will support them with everything I have until they are not the staff anymore. Because I don't get to decide who comes and goes. Right. I just get to decide... How much am I going to give of myself to Indiana? And it is so much fun to give everything we have to it. It just is so much fun.
2: And if our voices are any indication, I think us and 17,000 of our people, we we did our share yesterday in that win and in that place. And with all the skepticism of can we come all the way back? Uh, When will apathy set in with this fan base after 20 years of of frustration It just I'm, can't I'm like never I mean It can't I, I never, We can let it We it, can't let it It's all right there It's all I mean it was there It was in full effect yesterday It's not like okay Well the the giant is starting to wake up No the fan base Is so madly in love With this team and program and university and And for us all to come together And see it happen on the court Which we've always said Everything springs from what happens on that court, good or bad. And, like, the conversations taking place Friday night or before the game on Saturday and the difference in outlook and mood and optimism. (laughs) Yeah, we are all collectively stupid. It's great. Right? It's great. We are all collectively.
3: I was having conversations. There were people that were coming up to us having conversations on Thursday night and Friday night. They were, like, stupid talking about seeing a path to where Archie and this stuff doesn't work out and like Jesus is that where we are and then I'm telling you somebody better start working on the statue yeah no it's we beat Ohio State so let's talk first about the game when we got there by the way we were gifted some seats and I don't want to mention the guy's name who gave us the seats because I don't think he would appreciate that he's a modest man but they gave us a, he gave us a chance to live out a dream, sitting there. We got to sit as close as you could possibly sit.
2: And, and, and what you and I both were thinking, and we didn't both realize, we were both thinking that until today was, why can't basketball games last five hours? Yes. We never wanted that to end. It was, that said, I wanted the Northwestern game to end pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, but, but we didn't have those seats. <laughs> You know, that particular game, that experience to, to be literally in physical danger yeah. uh, because of the proximity, to, it's to a dream able, come true. To be able to scream at the referee and see him acknowledge it <laughs> yeah. is a good feeling. Well, and, and to me, like those guys, how they, they can even open themselves up to letting them know, letting us know they're being heard. Like I would never, never even pretend to hear a couple of assholes like us. Yeah, but uh, but we're hard to ignore because we are such assholes at the game. I, I like we're to think of it as arms. We're, we're passionate. We're, we're passionate. passionate. No, but I will say because I felt so privileged to get get the seats that we did, there was a new obligation or or at least awareness of I can't be too much of a jackass, right? Like I normally right. am. Because it's very visible And I might embarrass the gentleman Who was so kind to host us
3: There was a specific play And then I want to get to your thoughts Just kind of walking in And also talk about the former players reunion That we got to see a bunch of them at the game But there was a play in the second half Where Alderm dove after the ball And got it and fell to the ground And they called travel on it Yeah I instinctively jumped up from my seat And the only thought in my head was, well, you have to just go knock out the referee. (laughs) You have have to just cock the right hand and just roundhouse. Cheap shot, by the way, because he wasn't looking. (laughs) But in my head was, you just got to knock him out. And then as I got a quarter of an inch off the ground, jumping off, you know, from my seat, I realized, but you can't. You cannot knock out the referee. Eric. You, that is an inappropriate use of your passionate fandom for Indiana.
2: Well, and I think this shows a real growth in your impulse control because because I've knocked you, out several. You, you, well, no, you've broken your hand I have broken punching your hand. things in anger during IU basketball games yep, before. Broke my hand. So you are capable of of, of not violence. thinking and punching something during an IU game. Absolutely true. <laughs> All right, so, wait, wait, yeah. But I will have to say where I had to keep my impulse control and check specifically was when one of the Wessons, I think the younger Wesson, was tearing ass down the court and and again it was not something I was like, you know what I could do? It was like I'm going to trip him. You're gonna trip him. I'm going to trip him. Yeah. And and then not not, not tripping him and being like, Wow. Like, I... You could have tripped him. Because it's so fast. You realize how huge and fast these human beings really are that all of the decision, that the thought to do it and then not do it is within half a second. And I would have been banned from life, from Assembly Hall, if I tripped the player.
3: You would have been banned, however, you would have also Forever formed a bond With many Indiana faithful Who would respect the move
2: Yeah, and I'd have to wait in Knicks during the game For everybody to like Show up afterwards And and tell me how great it was 13 years ago when I tripped Andre Wesson (laughs) For a
1: random game in (laughs) January
2: I, I would not trade I would not trade being able to go back Into that magical place So to our right When we
3: sat down Along the baseline under the basket closest to the Indiana bench sat 1987 national champion Joe Hillman. Joe Hillman was right
2: there, handsome as ever, yeah. as an age today. Jeffrey Olafon. That that was so cool to see Olafon because I'm like, that dude's face was on my fridge for like four years growing up. It was a little different each year with your insurance poster, but like I know Oliphant's face, and like all of us, it's decades later and we're older. But I'd like I'd know who that guy is everywhere.
3: Robbie Eggers, Mm. George Leach, um, who else was on that baseline? Uh, Laskowski was on that baseline. It was so cool to see that many former players there at the game. Uh, and we couldn't see the other baseline where I know several other players were like Steve Green and players that truthfully I don't even know about that predated, and and we'll get to some of those, that predated Bobby Knight, uh, clearly predated us. It just felt like there was a really cool energy in
2: in the room, and then the game started. Wait, let's talk about what happened before the game, and this is again, the, the 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 real privilege and and you know there we know there's like millions of Indiana fans at I will never not feel incredibly lucky to have sat where we sat it's like winning the lottery it really is and 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 just because I think like when you went to the fantasy camp and me along with all the other listeners got to live that experience through you that's where I feel like sharing this with the listeners we would never want to brag about something we got so lucky to do right but living out the dream. That in our 40s, we now get to do is when Joey Brunk comes over and daps us before the national anthem. A little dap. I was like, I, I, I just. Do felt, you remember what? Did you say anything? Oh, no. I said something. Did you?
3: Unintelligible. Right, yeah. Un, here's the thing Joey Brunk's a large man. Yeah. We've gotten to know Joey a little bit from doing a podcast interview with yeah, him. Yeah. So I feel like there's. Well, let's just say we feel like there's a stronger connection than any of the players was, do to us.
2: It was a much bigger deal for us than them. Right, much bigger
3: deal. <laughs> and I said something to the effect of you got go this some bitches. <laughs> oh man, how did I not hear that? It was it was something to the effect of you got go this some of bitches.
2: <laughs> well, and Joey looked at me. Did he? He I heard it. He winked. He got it <laughs> yeah.
3: He got it He
2: understood The intent Yeah
3: We should put that On our next t-shirt <laughs> yeah. You got go this Son of the bitches <laughs> So That was amazing uh, Oh I do want to point out One other thing Before the game The national anthem Is being played Where We would do Nothing but respect The national anthem Nothing but respect What do you do With your right hand During the national anthem It's over the heart You put it over your heart Because you know what God, heart, country. Here we are. Yeah. Everybody respected it. But. Now part part of this story is gonna be us not respecting it because we're paying attention to other things. <laughs> but we look you look up at the giant majestic scoreboard which has a video play out of various shots from the hall during the beautiful national anthem. Yep. And Ward taps me and goes, Look, behind the woman singing the national anthem it's brian snow the
2: one and only snowman the is snowman. photo bombing the the singer of the national anthem and and in the photo bomb the video bomb
3: while she's grabbing that mic just singing her heart out to to inspire us to victory to pay homage to the country to pay respect and everybody in that same video image that snow is present
2: in Hand on heart, hand on heart, hand on heart. What was Snow doing? It looked like he was holding his crotch. <laughs> <laughs> Hands down, no respect. He's a communist. <laughs> Brian Snow is a communist. <laughs> Tweet it, and I will tell you this: when At this Snowman. podcast goes out, yeah,
3: we will put out the, the photo proof <laughs> yeah. that we are not making it up. Oh no, it's it. We have documented evidence, incontrovertible <laughs> proof that Brian Snow is a communist. <laughs> So then the game starts. And I don't know if it was on our first or second possession, but they moved the ball. And I will say this. There is clearly a tension that is existing right now that envelops the program. We haven't had a good stretch of games. We've been awful on the road. The Northwestern game, you could tell even Archie, with the win, was not happy about it at all. He used the press conference afterwards to talk about, I'm shortening the bench, I may only play five guys. Yeah. It didn't feel good. But he inserted Rob Finnessy into the starting lineup and put Devontae Green coming off the bench. And the ball gets swung around, and you can just tell, like, which waiting for a sign, which way is this game going to go. And Rob Finnessy catches the ball at the three-point line does not hesitate and drills the three. Big shot Rob is back. What did you
2: feel when that shot went through? What we all felt. What 17,000 people felt was hope. Hope that like nothing has better defined the struggles of this season than a lack of outside shooting and a lack of Rob Finnessy. Being Rob Finnessy. And that that was essentially the first thing that happened was seeing him stroke it through was like, let's go. Let's go. And then I will tell you again, going back to what
3: makes this all so incredibly special. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that we have since November 15th, the night before the event, become very good friends with a group of guys from New York City that we affectionately from now on will refer to as the goons. New York goons. New York goons. Cliff, Steve, Mike, and John, who we got to meet this weekend. The fearsome foursome of the New York goons
2: who did introduce themselves to us by telling us that our grammar is terrible. But well, first they said how much they liked the theme song. Right, and how long so I, I was. So obviously, you I loved I loved these guys from the jump. But these guys, because of... These are four...
3: I want to just take a minute here, and I know this is going to sound silly, but these are four guys that grew up in New York City. They are New York through and through. They love the Knicks. They have various football allegiances. Mets, Giants. Right. Yankees, whatever. Mets, yeah. They had no... Familial attachment To Indiana University None Cliff had a girlfriend Who was going to Indiana And he was like She was older He's like Well I guess I gotta go to Indiana And he convinced his childhood friends To go with him And they all went to Indiana And I know there's been talk By various people about like You know If you're not from Indiana You don't get it These dudes get it They are Indiana guys and we could feel that at the event in November and we love them and when rob finnessy hit that shot i turned to my left and look up into the sky where they are had great seats also middle middle section low row and pointed to them just pointed to them like let's do this together now we go now we go yeah and not that long after that rob finnessy hits another three. <laughs> oh. And now it feels like, oh my, something special is happening. The intensity on defense picks up because everybody felt the weight of
2: the world, that tension, gone, right? Now it's like, we're in a fight. Let's go win this goddamn thing. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, the the way we scream at each other about Indiana basketball, we all scream at each other online about Indiana basketball but to be in the physical space with that many human beings and being able to physically scream as loud as you possibly can. And no, because Coach Miller has told us, as Coach Knight used to tell us, as any coach or player will tell you, it helps. It's physical energy coming out of your being, combining with 17,000 other players and being injected into the molecules of the players on the court. And it's... And intimidating the other team. And making them a little bit more nervous. They know it's not for them. They know we don't want them to succeed in any way, shape, or form. We don't
3: like you. Nope. You're ugly. Oh, you're
2: repulsive.
3: And Chris Holtman, take your bullshit And I'm sorry for the cursing. We're doing too much cursing. Are we? get the hell out of our house. Yeah. And I will tell you, Coach Mike Roberts, who we had the chance to talk to later that night, told us that he has told the team and told the players, you guys don't get this. If you give these fans something to root for, if you play your butts off for these fans, by the way, shout out to Martinsville High School, passing it on our left. Mandy, there you go, where she went to high school. Uh, But if you give these fans something here's what they'll give you. And he said, they'll give you 10 to 12 points. That's what he said to me. Oh, really? He said, that's what it
2: gives you. Believe me. Give them your heart and soul and they'll give you 10 to 12 points. Well, and in the case of one of the New York goons, Steve, he gave his vocal cords above and beyond the rest of us on the on the, on the the terrible uh, foul call. On Duran. On Duran. Blew out his vocal cords. God. He could barely talk the rest of the day. So... <laughs> A couple. Let's just talk about a couple moments that we have
3: not watched the game on television, so we don't know what made air. What? Let's just talk about a few moments that you witnessed throughout the game uh, that stand out to you. Whether it was a made basket or just something you
2: witnessed, it's it's burned into my mind's eye. Like I, it, I know. Let's say the name. On the one, count of three. One, two, two three. three. Rob Finnessey. Rob <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> just, just you well because you saw the inception of the Mike Roberts, you tell that one. I'll tell you what I saw okay, with Rob. Fine. Sorry. Because we're I really sick on that I, one. I had a feeling you were going to say something else. <laughs> well, in fairness, Rob is part of both. Okay, right. But th- but this one is like a snapshot, right? Wait, and, wait. I got it.
3: Let's say it on 3. And combine the two.
2: But we'll try. It's Mike <laughs> <One, laughs> 2 3. Mike, <laughs> Mike Roberts Finnessy. Finnessy.
1: He nailed it. That was it. Okay,
2: you tell <laughs> us about Finnessy. He, he obviously hit a third three-pointer, which was a glorious thing. In the first half. Right. But what was even extra amazing about those seats is their second half seats. The boys were down at our end. Uh, we were at the second half goal for the Hoosiers so it was maybe five minutes into the second half and it's a fast break off an ohio state miss of which there were many oh sorry we sorry. are sorry
3: we are driving about 75 miles an hour on the free- on the highway so we apologize for the noise and we're smoking cigars
2: and we've closed the windows <laughs> In a rental car. I'm trying not to get dinged too bad by Alamo. We're going to own what's... this car by the time we get to Indianapolis. <laughs> yeah. Okay, sorry. So, Rob, uh, seeing it, him down at our end of the court on offense. It was him leading the break on our end. And the confidence and the aggression in him. In in the his handle. In the way you could see he was in charge of where everybody was going and everybody started going out to the wings and creating the space and getting set up to try to get the easy transition bucket and it didn't actually happen in that but everybody was in the right spot and Rob brought it back out and got everything set up and it just felt to me for the first time this season and obviously that perspective is so different from all other Indiana games I've ever watched but you could just see Rob back in control of the team. And, and we saw that defensively too, how important he was out at the top of the key and keeping the ball in front of him. But to me, that was where like our floor general is back in control for the first time that I could see definitively for this season. Couldn't agree more with you. He just means so much to the team.
3: And now I'll talk about Mike Roberts. Please do. And I will just tell one story. Justin Smith, in the second half, I think drove to the hole and went up for a shot or something and fell <clears throat> and created a turnover or a missed shot. I can't remember what it was, but he fell on the ground and Ohio State got the ball and went in transition on the, on the way down to an offense. Justin Smith did not pop off the floor quickly and sprint back. And when Mike Roberts saw that he wasn't getting up as fast as he should have to bust his butt, Mike Roberts went from a sitting position on the bench. He propelled that massive frame of his off the bench, took his right arm, cocked it back, through a roundhouse right hook and let out a scream that could be heard from Evansville to the region. <laughs> and it sounded, it was full Hulk. He went full Hulk, get up, get back. And he swung his arm with such force and such inertia that his sport coat collar popped straight up to the sky and his tie went around the world, around that giant dome of his and went 360
2: around where it stayed there for at least 90 seconds. Because where I, I came in, Midway through him, propelling him, it must have been his his scream that caught my attention yes. from the court action. So I came around just to see, his collar seemed like an extra tall collar. He looked like a, like Dracula yes. coming, because it went up towards the top of the back of his head. Yeah, like a trench coat that you put on and put the collar up when it's raining. Yeah, fully popped all the way around, a full clean pop. And then you saw the tie. And then I I wasn't quite sure what else I was seeing. Yeah, it looked like he was wearing a bolo tie
3: (laughs) because it was only the little piece of the tie hanging down. And he didn't give a damn what he looked like. He didn't give a damn if there was a camera on him. He didn't give a damn who heard him. One of our players did not bust his butt the way he needed to, and Mike Roberts was there to hold him to account for it. And this was a microcosm of what he was throughout the game. Mike Roberts is so necessary for Indiana basketball. I am so happy he is there. He loves this place. He feels this place. And he is doing his part to ensure that everyone stepping onto that court represents it in the right way and plays the game in the right way. He's also a technician. You can tell with the big men. He is coaching them up on footwork, on positioning throughout the game. But it is energy and effort that he is instilling. And by the way, Archie Miller is right there with him. Archie is intense.
2: Archie is focused. But what Archie did yesterday, he's not just the coach and the leader of that team. He is the conductor of the orchestra that is the indiana fan base but
3: has not been to this point really exactly. we seen no, right
2: it. but but as the indiana head coach you are that and what you do with it is up to you and in and in part is it could end up defining your success or failure and we know that coach knight at the right time would employ the crowd in assembly hall he would work the crowd in assembly hall to do what needed to be done to make it impossible for us to lose in that place. And Archie led us yesterday. And who who, who specifically pointed that out to us? I don't remember, but I wa- who was it? Was it Laz's son? It was Scott Laskowski, that's at right. At Culver's. It was. We went to Culver In between
3: celebrating at Nick's, we just felt like we had to get out of there around 7.30, head over to Culver's to get a little Laskowski love. I had to get some custard. I had to get a concrete. That custard? And I had a spicy chicken sandwich. You guys got to get to Culver's in Bloomington. By the way, so clean. So crisp. Everybody's so friendly there. Yeah. Like, you have a family. It's a great family dinner place. College kids listening, go to Culver's and get ice cream custard. It's amazing. But Laskowski, Scott Laskowski, John's son, sat down with us. Talked about the game. Talked
2: about the team. This is a guy who gets Indiana basketball. Oh, he gets it. He was... He was... Like, and you said it as we were sitting there He goes, your dad Was on arguably the greatest College basketball team of all time Imagine how much better You understand the game as his son Than we ever could
3: Right, and he brought up That he saw Archie Enthusiastically at times Leading us, leading yeah. everyone And I saw a video Someone posted on Twitter of what the moment was And it's great because it also shows Archie's sense of humor Oh, yeah? It was when the ref finally called, called a, a foul, foul on them. <laughs> yeah. And Archie put his hands up into the air, like, get up! Yeah. Cheer for this. It was a rousing uh, ovation when the ref finally called a foul well, on Ohio State.
2: Well, and, and when Scott told us that, a light bulb went off for me. and And I know we'll spend maybe more time on this later. The press conference, too, and even after the Northwestern press conference, I think he's starting to understand the power of that bully pulpit and we know he's basketball 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 and and just wants to get away from reporters and back into coaching his guys and looking at the film and working with the staff but i part of a, of a of a young coach at a big time program for the first time we all realized like well he should he's not a finished product as a coach he's he's going to grow and learn and, and ideally Get better as this goes, and understanding not just the power he has to to uh, inform us about what's going on or not, but but to emotionally, emotionally lead us does. and and get through to his players. Sometimes, maybe in a public forum, it can be even more effective than what is said behind closed doors. There's an accountability there that goes public that that resonates. I'm sure in a, in a different way. And I do think what's interesting about Archie is I don't think he'll ever be the coach who uses
3: the press conference to single out a kid by name the way some coaches do and and, and in a negative way. I don't know, though. I don't know. He might
2: find a time in a place where he realizes a kid needs that. But let me say this. After the Northwestern game,
3: he was calling out Devontae Green. He was talking about jogging back on defense, not buying in, the ball sticking on offense, and then he benched him. In that game And he benched him to start this game But he didn't call him out by name right? Because I think Archie knows I, I don't should say knows I should say Archie feels like That's just not what he wants to do But he He is He did use it And we'll talk about the press conference afterwards <laughs> uh, A little bit But also to talk about how he prep, prop guys up in the press conference But another element I want to bring up you talked about Archie emotionally leading us, which is great. We talked about Roberts and Finney. I want to talk about the non <clears throat> excuse me non scoring players like yesterday. Even though they scored a couple points, Deron Davis, Jerome Hunter specifically,
2: they gave us great minutes. Both of their best games this year, and and as Archie said, uh, Jerome's best game as a college player. Right, right. Well, it, it is. The year and his in.
3: career is right. one of the same. But they came in with intensity. Duran, I know the shots didn't fall, but he banged hard. He was he was intense on defense. He was bought in. Jerome was bought in. Like within, within, I think, two possessions of him coming in, I look to you and I go, Jerome is locked in. He looks locked in. The shots didn't fall, but he hit five of six free throws. It was so refreshing to see these guys, even when the ball wasn't going in, That 10-minute stretch where we didn't score a bucket uh, about halfway through the first half till a minute into the second half, they were locked in defensively. They weren't giving up. They were still getting to the free throw line. We weren't making them, but we were getting there. These guys did not give in. They did not give up. And you just hope that a little of that rolls forward. Just roll it forward. We got a big game
2: coming up at Rutgers. Well, and... You know, and obviously Louisville, Butler, and even in the depths of last season, the two Michigan State games, we know what this coaching staff and 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 this team now this year is capable of. We've seen it, and and confidence is such a huge part of all of this. Like as free throws, like as hor- horrendous as those free throws. Were yesterday And that's worrying going forward Because winning a game And the confidence that comes from that Doesn't necessarily translate to like The free throw line next game But at at least it shows Even when things aren't going well And we can't score a field goal For 11 minutes of gameplay in a row And we miss half of our free throws We still win
3: We still won
2: Because we're locked in
3: Locked, we're intense The other thing that's locked in that I want to talk about Is We are driving through What can only be described As a Slight Almost non-existent drizzle And Ward's got the windshield hey, wipers Going at a strong rate
2: For a long time That is Locked a, in A gross mischaracterization Of what happened We hit a, a <laughs> cloud burst It came fast and heavy What is a cloud burst? It's where rain One bur- cloud burst? Yes Oh,
3: I never heard that but that's I mean that's what it was. But like, you you were locked into the windshield. You were as locked into
2: those windshield wipers as, as... Mike Davis was with his turn <laughs> signal. Yes. I will I will fully embrace that comparison. When did you Okay so realize it wasn't raining anymore? <laughs> <laughs> so
3: we don't score for about ten minutes, don't score from the field. We we hit a couple free throws. We go into halftime losing Was it 35-31 at halftime? I know we had 31. It was around then. And it felt tenuous, to be honest with you. It felt like, how are we going to come out in this half? Can we get back the mojo that we had at the beginning? It did not feel like we were going to get blown out of the building no matter what. Right. But it did feel like, "Geez, we can't score again. And they came out in those first five minutes and immediately took, within the first five minutes, took the lead again. And Rob, I think hit another shot, another outside shot.
2: Yes, he did. That was his. That was was it. We weren't sure if that was. I don't think he must had a foot on a the line or something.
3: But it was an outside shot, and I was like, "Oh, we got." That's where I thought we've got a real shot. When did you feel like we are going to win this basketball game? Well, I mean, when the buzzer went
2: off. I, no, no. like I think somewhere around three minutes and up ten. You're like, I I'm not I'm not ready for Ohio State to warm up the bus. But I'm it didn't feel like the end of the Gator Bowl, I'll tell you that. (laughs) I'm like, okay, we're gonna finish strong here. Um but but all I have to say is I I frequently watching games at home or in person, Colts or Hoosiers, I think we're gonna win. I think we're gonna lose a dozen different times I'll flip-flop right. in a game. And, and I just sort of felt good the whole time. And maybe that's because those endorphins were popping from the jump, from Rob's first shot. It literally made a physical change in my body and probably everybody's body. That made us positive and happy And that was going in the right direction And because even in the the depths of the scoring drought We were locked in on defense And they weren't pulling away They weren't doing really any better than we were So then we start that second half the way we did And that is early on where Rob hit the shot And that moment in time I have Of him back in control of this team was just like, alright, we got this Now when Rob got hurt there was a moment, it was less even about that game and it was more about going forward in the season. Like, I mean, does he have a sports hernia? Did he just, like, rip an abdominal muscle? Because he was in pain. That felt tenuous.
3: When when that happened, it did feel like, how are we going to get through this? And I'm sure it doesn't coincide exactly with it, but it felt like as Rob got banged up, Devontae became good Devontae. He did. And I've just never seen a player who so needs a shot or two to fall. Because the first half, the shots didn't fall. And he just kind of was out there going through the motions. And he forced a couple shots that he shouldn't have early in the shot clock. But second half, Devontae hit a couple shots. And Guys, if Devontae doesn't score those points, we don't win that game.
2: Well, and we talked about this. I'm not sure if it was on the pod or personally after Florida State and being like, and and it was your point that we don't win that game unless Devontae has 30 points. That's why we won that game, and that's why we looked that good. And we knew we're not gonna be able to rely on that going forward. So in a given game, it's gonna be Drake, Trace, it's gonna be you know Al hitting some ch- It's always gonna be different players in different ways stepping up for this team. We don't have somebody who's gonna do it every night. And, and Devontae, the two times he's really showed up to play this year, two biggest home games of the year. Without question. Without question, two top 20 teams. And
3: another person I want to bring up, Joey Brunk. Man among boys. Joey Brunk's defense on the beast, Caleb Wesson. He would put his forearm out, and Caleb Wesson is massive. And Caleb Wesson could not move Joey Brunk. And I know Mike Roberts is the guy working with the bigs on defense. He's working with them. And it's working because Joey Brunk played stellar defense on Caleb Wesson. He, he's Caleb Wesson's a great player. Caleb Wesson's going to score. Caleb Wesson being able to do pick and rolls at the top of the key and pop out and shoot threes? Well, guess what? Pick your poison with Caleb Wesson. Right. I'd much rather him shoot threes than be able to back our guy down and just dominate in the post, which opens it up for and us having to double team. We didn't have to double team. Joey Brunk was a
2: Man. Down there, it was uh, sensational. Well, and and to take a step back from like game analysis to we get we get to be at the the, the ground level with these freaks of nature. They're so big. Like these aren't people you see walking by you in the mall. These are not people that you encounter in daily life. These the, are titans. The these are. A rare, rare occurrence in our species. They are, they, they are. are the top, point oh oh one percent. They are the tip of the pyramid. And if somebody had been doing a hustle play in the wrong direction, you or I might not be here right now. Yeah. But it is terrifying to be that close to to people that could hospitalize you and not even realize that 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 they did it. That they
3: didn't. <laughs> um, Agreed. The overall size, speed of these guys is remarkable.
2: And the refs at this point, too. Not as tall. Real buff. Real fast. Jacked. Real fast. Real fast and real jacked. Referees are impressively
3: built. Much more impressively built than we are.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So Low bar. That's a low bar. It is a low bar.
3: (laughs) So the game is getting now a little bit out of hand. We're up by 10. I think with five and a half minutes left, we're up by 11 with two and a half minutes left. And that's where I really thought, well, we've got this game, it's done. Uh, Every coach was enthused. I saw Tom Ostrom leaping off the bench, getting after guys, propping guys up. Um, One little moment that I loved, they were trying to work the ball into Caleb Wesson on the post. And Joey Brunk was banging, 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 worked his way on a side of him, used his left arm to come over the the side, deflected it out of bounds. Ohio still, still got the ball, but it ruined their offensive set. And Joey went over to, like, the bench area that was under the basket. Two hands slammed down, like, let's go. I love the energy. The the what they did yesterday forget the execution for a second cuz i know they didn't execute exactly how they should have throughout the game our offense really struggled at times but they fought
2: like hell rob showed real emotion rob's a quiet player that when he and that was another thing we saw coming back down towards us and did we actually see that watching the big 10 network highlights he last night he made a night? 3
3: and like did a 360 on the oh. way back just getting himself pumped up It was such a satisfying win. The game ended. I remember looking back up to the New York goons. Everybody happy in that place. All the players bounding off the floor. All the fans high-fiving each other. Hugs all around. Couldn't be happier. And then we had to decide, what do we do now? Because we sure as hell don't want to leave Assembly Hall.
2: No, no, it, it it is... The place, if there was like in a couple of apartments in there. Oh, my God. Like, it's such a big place. Maybe we could kind of do like Secret of My Success. We could find a couple offices they're not using. Bring an
3: air mattress, sneak it in under a poncho. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know why we'd have a poncho inside of somebody (laughs) else. Well, because the roof
2: falls off. Yeah, or if, uh, you know, I have the windshield wipers going full effect. It might be raining and we'd need the poncho. Right. So, we decide to just kind of
3: go to the catacombs of Assembly Hall on the ground level
2: and just kind of work our way over to the press room. Just pretend like we're supposed to be Just act like you belong. Mm -hmm. We had no credentials. Don't make eye contact with the ushers or security. That's big. So we walk over to the press room and we just walked into the press room. (laughs) And it was pretty interesting to see how Many more people were in there and that there was there was a little bit of a buzz and what's otherwise a very austere, quiet room after a big game like that compared to say the Troy game, where we we're actually supposed to be there because it didn't matter. There's like six media people in for after a Troy right. game. But after a a, a a conference game against a ranked opponent against a rival that was a room where- Well, and broadcast
3: on Fox, so you had national reporters there. You had Rick Bozich was there. Uh,
2: Greg Doyle Greg was there. Greg Doyle to, from the Indianapolis Star, With his obviously. weird typing style. Guy types strange. He types weird. I didn't get to see it, but Ward was enamored by it. Yeah, maybe we'll have to do a video later where I, I, I show them the typing style, because yeah. it can't really be described. So
3: we don't take a seat at any of the tables We just take a seat, like, on the side of the room. I do have to say this, though. There was a little bit of a buzz, more because there was just more people, I think. It is a depressing room. Like, basketball's supposed to be fun. And I know they're journalists, and I know they're covering it. It's their job. But dear God, let's just lighten it up
2: a little (laughs) bit, media guys. Well... It's fun! Yeah, you you uh, practiced what you preach yesterday that's for certain so
3: Devonte and justin come in they do their press conference and i had decided watching how the room works where people just raise their hand to ask a question right. and then a microphone is handed to them right then i was just going to raise my hand when archie came in when coach came in and got i thought maybe like halfway through after five or six questions i was going to raise my hand and see if I can get the microphone So I'm not really paying attention to anything Coach is saying I'm just waiting for him to stop talking So that the next question can be asked And I can <laughs> count when it's right
2: for me to Raise my hand when the, when the people whose livelihoods depend on asking questions yeah. Have got their questions in yeah. When they've got their BS done It's time
3: to really <laughs> go for this So I see Ward get, whip out his phone And he's recording me He knew I was going to try to ask a question And after about five or six questions I raised my right hand Very professionally Very very, And strong Like I belonged there Mm -hmm. And J.D. Campbell sees me The communications director for IU Puts up both hands Palm out And just mouths No (laughs) Not now And I sheepishly put my hand down and did not really know what to do at that point. By the way, a clock is
2: ticking. A countdown clock. there is a clock. You have ten minutes, and then it's over. He's walking out. And it hits zero. And I'm like, damn it, it didn't happen. And then this beautiful
3: woman. A student, probably. Probably. I don't know, actually. Walked up behind me and placed the cylindrical microphone into my hand, like an angel, and I just waited, waited, waited for Archie to stop talking about how good Jerome played. <laughs> it was like we get it, we get it, but I've got something to ask. And Ward, from your perspective, what happened next?
2: Well, Eric, I'm always impressed oh, no. by how how you shameless, are... shameless. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, no shame is I think a big key to all of this but how are you? you were able to ask such a ridiculous question about gum in such a professional manner that really what you did, you mapped it over a basketball question. You really made it sound like if somebody didn't know the language but just heard how all of these questions were asked, they were like, yes, he asked that just like everybody else, but the content of it was absurd. Great, I'm so proud of you, not surprised, With either the question or the execution, but now it's like the ball is in Coach Miller's court. Yeah, and I was nervous. How's he gonna
3: play it? He may just shut it down. (laughs) All right, yeah, move on. But we all know Archie
2: chews a lot of gum during a game. The guy likes gum. it, It is clearly something that he has to concern himself with. Yes. It doesn't just happen. No, no, no. It is a choice, it's an important choice for him. As we found out. that there are gum people on the staff responsible for providing said gum. We ran into one of them on Kirkwood today who thanked you for your question. Yes. (laughs) Finally glad that the spotlight got shown (laughs) on his day in the sun
3: (laughs) on the gum. And Archie immediately took it and gave us a third. By the way, half smile, half
2: smile during the asking of the question. Oh, see, I was so focused on you, I did not see him. Half smiled, <laughs> and then gave us a thorough, insightful
3: answer to the question. He took it as seriously as you did. And made
2: the room laugh a little bit. Uh-huh. And then I did something I am not proud of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, just had to put a button on it. <laughs> it wasn't enough for
3: me that he answered the question. The microphone, by the way, is gone from my hand. <laughs> they have ripped it away. There will be no follow-ups. <laughs> but without the microphone, after he was done and had answered it, I, like a just a selfish- Child. Child <laughs> said, that was a good question, right? <laughs> I mean, what an idiot. And Archie said, very good. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: After that, Ken Bikoff asked us to be part of the morning after podcast. That was so fun to have somebody who knows what he's doing direct our energy and focus in an organized manner. And during our interview or
3: our our participation in the podcast, which we did on the bleachers right behind the benches, right by the Indiana bench. Right, that's where we were. No, we were on the other side. Oh, were we? we? We were. Yeah, we were opposite sides. Oh, okay, sorry. But like the first row of bleachers, this giant human comes walking by us. And as he comes into focus, I realize, oh my god, it's not a vision. It's not it's not a hallucination. It is Tijan
2: Joe. Which which would have been way more shocking if he hadn't even amongst all those former players at halftime been a head taller than everybody else.
3: Totally. He stands out in a crowd. And we had to just talk to him for a little bit, and we did. Tijan's doing well. He's in Carmel. He's in Carmel. He's he's playing pickup basketball. He is not. Oh God, we are pulling into the airport. <laughs> no, no, and we're pulling into the
2: gas station. Oh, you got to fill gotta it up. I got to
3: fill the tank. Oh, Ward's got to fill it up. Can't be charged eighteen dollars a gallon. Hell no. Uh, talk to us. Really, really friendly. It was great to see him. He jumped right in. He was he was a real sport. And then. Another shout out, we saw our good friend, Bill Murphy.
2: Oh. IU historian. The walking encyclopedia of Indiana basketball. That's exactly
3: right. And we got to chat with him, which was wonderful.
2: He gave us some DVDs. Laz walks up and and Bill Murphy's talking about like the 65 Michigan game, you know, with the Vans. And, 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 and Laz comes up and I can just be like, kind of like whisper over to him. He's talking about the 65 Michigan game. And last is like, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, just so cool. It was amazing. Moskowski there, Bill
3: Murphy there, Ken Bykoff, just chatting about Indiana history. Here's what's going to happen now. We're going to get out of the car, continue this while Ward puts gas in the car.
2: Okay. R- Let's roll down all the windows real quick. Yeah. <laughs> There's so, so much smoke We've we got to air this thing out. This car is literally the Scooby-Doo van right now. <laughs> it's not
3: that much fun. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So after that, we knew that there was an IU Players Reunion reception happening in Cook Hall. That we were, we were kind of invited to be outside of. Yeah, we were told it was okay if we stayed outside in the rain <laughs> to, to stalk, to, former, to stalk players. former players. But Ward was not having that. So, by the way, we're also putting our lit cigars on a gas receptacle a gas distribution machine
2: where where, oh there it says right there no yeah there's a big sign i'll
3: hold it all right so ward says no we're not staying outside the elevator oh we get into the lobby of cook hall
2: and who's in the lobby of cook hall alan freaking alan henderson Henderson.
3: we scared him so hard we got to go talk to (laughs) alan henderson now i will say this backing up during one of the TV timeouts. You went over there. I went over and introduced myself to Alan and Morgan Miller! <laughs> met her
2: face to face, baby. I, I wish everybody could have seen you do that happy dance. I was doing a happy dance. Did.
3: I shook Alan Henderson's hand and met Morgan Miller within 90 seconds of each other. Great Assembly Hall moment. We see Alan Henderson at Cook Hall. Ward talks to him for a little. We invite him on the podcast. Let's just say he has not committed to being on the podcast.
2: I, I thought I could undo whatever damage you did during you the couldn't. actual game. I made it worse. His, his, his small children were there, and you could tell he just kind of wanted to shelter them from us and get to his car as quickly as possible. But he was super nice. He really was. He talked glowingly about being back and speaking at Assembly Hall for the first
3: time since senior night. In, what was it, 1994? And he said what we all needed to hear. He did. He told the crowd at Assembly Hall at halftime, the players, the coaches, want to win more than you do. Support them. Just support them. So we talked to Alan Henderson. We took a picture with him. And then then we see some people coming out of the elevators at Cook Hall. And we know that it's a former player, but we don't know who it is. And we are going to give you a little taste of our run-in with Hoosier Great, who predates Bobby Knight? Who was recruited by Branch McCracken? The great Gary Griger. Here is our brief conversation with Gary.
1: Hoosier hysterics. Hoosier hysterics.
3: Hoosier hysterics here at the player, former player reunion. We are at the Cook Hall lobby where we just got to meet a legendary basketball player from Hoosier's past. He played in the mid sixties. He played he was recruited by Branch McCracken. He played I'm sorry, the Van Arsdales played with him. We are here with none other than Gary Grieger. <laughs>
0: applause, applause. Hey hey, I'll even cheer for me. Gary, <laughs> Nobody <laughs> else does. So Gary, how are you? I'm doing great. It's good to be back at the reunion. When was the last time you went to a game at Assembly Hall? Uh, I have season tickets and have had them for 15 years, even though I live in Florida. Come up for a lot of games, although this is the first game this year.
3: You picked a good one. It was a good one. And you can't go back to Florida now. You're the good luck charm.
0: Well, it's good weather back there. It's
3: (laughs) been raining here for two days. So walk us through real quick, if you can. When were you recruited? Where are you from originally? How did you land at Indiana University?
0: Well, I'm from Evansville, Indiana, and uh, still consider that my home, even though I very seldom get back there. Lived in Florida for 40 plus years, uh, was recruited out of high school, uh, probably mainly because my uh, high school team, the uh, 1962 Evansville bossy bulldogs won the state championship nice we had a great team and uh uh, that helped me get recruited by some good schools and my favorite was uh, indiana university with branch mccracken partially because my dad had played basketball and baseball here back in the 30s under everett dean Wow. wow Unbelievable. You guys are really good. No, you're really good. We're just Mm -hmm. amazed. Well, I wasn't a good player.
3: I was just okay. Did you grow up um, revering Everett Dean? Like, was he a big figure in your life growing up because of your dad?
0: Branch McCracken? No,
3: your dad played for Everett Dean, right? He
0: played for Everett Dean. No, I I had met him uh, as a a small uh, uh, little boy. Uh, But my uncle had coached uh, Don Schlunt in high school at Washington Clay High School uh, in uh, South Bend. So when Don Schlunt came to IU and my older brother Russ, who incidentally played for Evansville College's undefeated 1965 NCAA championship with Jerry Sloan, was lucky enough to play with my brother Russ, (laughs) and Larry Humes the same way. we would come up here for games and uh, watch Don Schlunt play and Bobby Leonard and uh, and the Hurrian Hoosiers. Well, yes, they were. And you were. You were part of that. I was, and I'm proud of it, and good to be back. When Branch McCracken
3: was recruiting you and offered you a scholarship to play at Indiana, was it? Did you even have to think about it, or did you know you wanted to come to IU?
0: Well, I was considering Vanderbilt as well, uh, several. Uh, uh, older alumni of vanderbilt were from evansville and that kind of attracted me to to that school and had quite a few offers but uh i also said that i was considering evansville and arad mccutcheon uh, but probably in the back of my mind it was indiana but i think my dad had a little little influence on that
3: <laughs> well i think you made the right choice i did and uh, what do you think of uh, the big win that we had today against it was a think?
0: big win i think uh Overall, even only with three losses, we've been a little inconsistent. But, uh, boy, if they can continue to play the defense like they do now, or did today. Uh, this team is a good team. A lot of good players. A and lot of athletes.
3: No kidding. The, the speed of the game is impressive as hell, isn't it?
0: Oh, well, I, I didn't run that fast. <laughs> Before <laughs> but, I let
3: you go, because this is so rare for us to be able to talk to somebody who played for Branch McCracken and, and knew him a little bit, what was he like? How would you describe him?
0: What are you saying? I'm old? I'm going to use some dirty I'll words say, here to say something. Yes. <laughs> I'll just say fine wine. I'll just
3: I'm old, just not old enough to That's know right. Branch McCracken.
0: Uh, Branch McCracken was, uh, yeah, it's, it's just tough for me to say. Uh, I don't want to say he was a demanding coach, but uh, he instilled confidence in, in, in you if you played well. If not, uh, he was on your case. Uh, he was a good coach. He, yeah. he really was. And, and he, uh, like all prior high school coaches and teachers, they instill some uh, talents that hopefully you carry into your future life. So,
3: Well, Gary, it's a pleasure to meet you. Thank you so much for being here. Love meeting your son. Come say hi. Hello. <laughs> there you go. And what's your name again? Scott Grieger. Scott Grieger. Yep. And is this your son? Yeah, this is my son, Henry. Say hi, Henry. We have three generations of Griegers here. Hoosier, great. You went to Indiana, I assume.
4: 99, class of 99. Nice,
3: love it. Represent 99. And you're going to go to Indiana, right, Henry? Hopefully. What do you mean hopefully? You're going to get in, believe me. We can get you in.
1: You're going to come to Indiana.
3: Are you committing to Indiana right now?
1: Yes.
3: You heard it. Class of two thousand thirty. To Six, so. we have our first commitment, this
1: could be Henry
3: Grieger. It could be. Impermissible benefits. Yeah, right. All right. Well, thanks again,
0: and uh, good luck to you. Thank
1: you. Appreciate it. Hysterics. Hysterics.
3: Uh, so real quick, when we last left you on this podcast, we were at a gas station outside of Indianapolis
2: Airport. And while you guys were listening to Gary, we missed our flight. <laughs> <laughs> we,
3: we did think... We think that they moved the flight time from 4.30 to 4, and no one told us. We think Delta
2: are Purdue fans. We do think that. Is It, it should be Delta is Purdue fans? Is that a singular or, or plural with Delta? I, I don't know. I don't like you saying Purdue that many times. I'm sorry. It felt, it felt gross to say it.
3: So uh, we're talking quietly because we're in a, a Delta Sky Lounge. <laughs> there's people... There are people surrounding us, so we for, please forgive us for the audio quality. But talking to Gary Grieger, a guy that was recruited by Branch McCracken and played with the Van Arsdales, or as he said, the Van Arsdales played family, with him, <laughs> was really cool meeting his son and grandson and just seeing how happy they were all to be back together was very, very cool.
2: They came up from Florida. I don't know how much of this Gary was- said he, has, he had season tickets. yeah.
3: But he, but he hasn't been to a game in two years, I think.
2: Yeah, well, I, I guess that it goes to show that when you really reach out to the players, as the program did, and ask them to be there, they'll show up from all over the country.
3: Absolutely. So after the Gary interview, which was done in the lobby of Cook Hall, I was ready to leave, but the elevator doors opened, and Ward was like, Let's go downstairs to the reception. I'm like, Ward, we can't. We're not allowed to go down. It's only for managers, former managers and players. And Ward looked at me like I was a true idiot. And a woman in the elevator was holding the door. And she's like, do you guys want to come? And I looked at Ward as if to say, should we go? And Ward looked at me and just said, yeah. Like, like I couldn't have been dumber. <laughs> so we went into the elevator, went downstairs. And they were doing the reception on the practice court. But in the lobby were people mingling, and two guys
2: approached us. Josh and Brian. Josh and Brian, who were former managers. And which we all know, but we haven't spoke about it much. The managers are the unsung heroes throughout the entire history of Indiana basketball. They put in more hours than the players, and they're full-time students too. And it's something where you want to talk about some guys Who see it all. Who hear it all. And don't say anything. Sworn to secrecy.
3: Until we ask them to. (laughs) So we ran into Josh and Brian. Sorry, the uh, Kansas City Chiefs-Houston Texans game is going on. So you hear people reacting to that.
2: And all you Colts fans out there can appreciate that Houston is absolutely shitting the bed.
3: (laughs) So here's our brief conversation with... Josh and Brian. Yes.
1: Who's your hysterics! Who's your hysterics!
3: Here we are. We snuck into the bowels of Cook Hall. We are here with two former managers from really just glorious times of Indiana history. Uh, introduce yourselves with your full names here, Josh Lee. Brian Roberts and Josh, what years were you here? 2006 to 2010. So we could do 12 straight hours with just <laughs> behind-the-scenes stories with you. Yeah, we could get pretty close to that. Yeah, <laughs> close to and, that. And what years? 2004 to 2008. All right, so you're in the uh, Davis into Sampson. Yes. All right, you you came after the championship. Basically, we didn't win a damn thing when either one of you were here. <laughs> awesome. Is
1: that?
2: I feel like I'm the
5: curse of IU basketball. Yeah. Well, yeah, sure, if it
2: makes you sure. feel better, we didn't win a damn thing while we were here either. <laughs> That's true. But, though we were just students. What you, you guys take more direct blame. You were involved with the program.
3: How much fun was it to be back surrounded by former managers and former players? Unbelievable. We love it.
5: Yeah, it was great. It was great to see a lot of the former managers there, some of the players that uh, we got the privilege to be around. So, yeah, it was a good time. Who did you see that you got to work with? Uh, you got to love, uh, well, manager-wise, uh, you know, Brian Roberts. Uh, you know, who else did we see there? John Boss, but... Uh, Player-wise, Kyle Tabor, Adam Allfeld, Lance Stimler, those those guys. I was very excited to see uh, now coaching Mike Roberts because my first year as a manager, he was a senior player. And I I love Boston. Well, let's get into this. Did you see his
2: collar fly up at about halfway through the second half? He looked like an absolute crazy
5: person, which he is, Which we love. Yeah, Yeah. we love
3: that. Was he that crazy and intense as a player?
5: Yes, he's one of the best screeners in IU basketball history. Yes, there's so much of him to screen with.
2: Like the the man blocks out the sun when he walks by.
3: He is a a massive mountain of a human being. I think in Game of Thrones, he was the understudy (laughs) for the mountain. Um, we love watching him coach because he seems to have the intensity that we all want to see from our players and our coaches. Did you know that about him when you were friendly with him back in the day? Definitely, he's going to bring that every day. That's nice. Uh, who were you most excited to see, just uh, as a former, as a fan of Indiana, and a, uh, what former player made you the most excited to see today? Well, I, I
5: mean, I didn't get to talk to him, but. You don't like Alan Henderson? I oh, mean, you got wrong uh, me. yeah, something's wrong with We stalked so. him on the way out. Of here
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. we didn't throw the phone up in That's front okay. of his face. Yeah. We're playing the he, long play for that. He
3: basically told us, "Don't throw the phone in front of me," <laughs> yeah. without saying any of those words. <laughs> we you know that. The,
5: but the guys I like to see, and I, I think he could probably say the same. Uh, Don Fisher, Tim garl I mean, those guys are legends. Uh, yeah, legends. So uh, I need a Samson story. Oh, Somebody's got. <laughs> Where do we Samson. start? Where do we start? Give me
3: one Samson story. Just give me anything you want to share about. We, we, don't, we don't talk too much about – Lance is the only person we've really talked to in the stunt, in the uh, Samson era. So give us something. <laughs> so I, I guess
5: uh, – Yeah, do it. Uh, how much is this going on? No, all of it. You just do it. All of it. it. Well, I, could for, uh, no I could go for I go except uh, for you two. A, a, good <laughs> thing, a good thing about him, uh, honestly uh, – you know, once you realized that you were kind of in with him and he knew who you were, you were, he would go shoot free throws before every practice. Guys would be stretching, guys would be doing this. So, well, I was a freshman when he started and these guys knew him throughout the summer. Well, I, I didn't have the summer with them, So it was kind of, uh, it was intimidating and said, hey, Josh, why don't you go down and, and rebound for Coach Sampson? Well, you want to make sure that the ball didn't hit the floor if he asked you how many rows he hit, you better know, even if you made up a number, you better know about what that wow. was, and if you didn 't well, you might be running so it was really? it was pretty it was pretty tough but uh, i've got a i I actually like coach Sampson a lot uh, I, I respect him I, I think he kind of got the raw end of kind of what happened here but uh, um, I could go on for days about good and bad I'm just good curious when
3: he was shooting free throws how often did he have to stop his free throw shooting to go take some phone calls
5: I'm just curious well, let's see he had 842 extra so yeah, yeah pretty frequently pretty every, every other free <laughs> yeah. throw
3: got yeah. it uh, and you were there under Mike Davis and Calvin Sampson. Mm-hmm. What do you remember from the Davis era? Is there anything about Coach Davis? We got to talk to Coach yes. and loved him. Oh, and I loved the interview you had. Oh, with great. Him. Coach um, Davis
5: is one of the nicest human beings you've ever met. And so it was really nice to work for him. Um, and so I, I have nothing negative to say. It was such a great experience. Did
2: you ever ride with him in the car and realize how conscientious he was about using his turn signal? <laughs> <laughs> I did not. I never yeah. got in
5: on He's any of those all about drives. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. guys,
3: thanks for taking a few minutes with us. Thank you. Thank it, you it, very as much. As fans, we love uh, meeting people that are responsible for helping build Indiana basketball. And you two did I just that. want
5: to say thanks for what you two guys do. I mean, it's uh, it's excellent. I know it, uh, it helps me get from Columbia, Missouri when I'm driving back uh, for work or Wherever I'm going to work, uh, who you guys interview and in your podcasts are, are excellent. So appreciate you guys. Thanks yeah, yeah, so sure. much. Big fan cool. of the show. Thank, thank you. you so hey, much. I was thank excited you. to meet you all today. Oh, thank you very much, guys.
1: <laughs> Who's your hysterics! Who's your hysterics!
3: Really enjoyed talking to those guys. They were really fun. But then we had to move our way into the reception. Let's get in there. We snuck our asses right in there. Went straight to the cookie table. You got a cookie. <laughs>
2: I got a brownie. <laughs> Good cookie. <laughs> And then we saw Lance Stemmler. Our old friend Lance. Who came up to us. We chatted a bit. Well, he was with the one and only Kyle Tabor. He was. He
3: was with Kyle Tabor. We got to meet some other former managers. And we got to talk to Kyle Tabor, who played. This is who Kyle Tabor played for. Kyle Tabor played for Mike Davis, Kelvin Sampson, Dan Dakich, Tom Crean. Is he the one and only? No,
2: didn't we talk to somebody else who played for all four? Oh, he may have been the only one. That's, I mean, I'm sure that makes him the only, I know it makes him the only one in the history of Indiana basketball to play for four different head
3: coaches. He played for four different head coaches. He's a unicorn. And Kyle was a walk-on and really busted his butt and really did help provide some continuity from the disaster that Samson left behind into Crean trying to clean up the mess. And uh, Kyle was awesome. We're going to do a long-form interview with Kyle. But we had to get a little taste. And he gave us a great story. So here's our talk with Kyle.
1: Who's your hysterics? Who's your hysterics?
3: We are here as we are continuing our sneaking around the former player reunion. We are not allowed to be here, but this we is, don't care. This
2: is our first truly guerrilla
3: podcast. And we are going to do a long-form interview with our next guest, uh, because I'm sure he's got just so many stories because he was here during a very tumultuous time and one of the few players who really served as the transition from the Kelvin Sampson era into the Tom Crean era. Please welcome a guy who just busted his ass for Indiana, Kyle
4: Tabor, number 44, right? Yeah, number 44. yeah thanks for having me. How are you doing, Kyle? I'm doing great. I'm glad to be back here for the reunion. Where are you in from? Uh, Indianapolis. And yeah. uh, is it,
3: when was the last time you saw a game here?
4: Uh, it's been two years. Unfortunately, wow. it was a Purdue game we lost, uh, Ooh, yeah, so I, I had to get look, that taste out. I'm glad we won today. Much, I'm sure a
2: much better mood at the reunion after a game yes, like this. I, yes,
4: I'm glad we got the win because it was a lot better. I'm sure it's a lot easier for Coach Miller as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, Kyle, look, we're going to spend some time with you because I'm
3: sure you have stories. I do. But give us, <laughs> give us one, just give us one story from that time when the transition was happening between Kelvin and Tom, and. I mean, do you know about the plant being thrown? Like, what? Give
4: us something. The plant being thrown. Okay. Uh, I have a different thing being thrown story. Oh, let's hear it. Obviously, that was a a tough year. (laughs) A little bit of losing, a little bit more than we wanted. Uh, So we were watching film one time uh, in the coach's office. We didn't have all the fancy stuff they have now. Uh, We had some nice things, though. (laughs) Uh, And it was just kind of going by one player by one player. Coach was kind of telling everybody... How he thought of their performance, uh, the, the, I guess it was the night before the uh, game, and then he got to me, and I was one of the last ones, and I was a senior, and a, a lamp was thrown, we'll just say that. <laughs> was it thrown <laughs> it was, at not you? Not at me, not at me. But across up? the room. Did it, it survive? It, it did not snow. Yeah, <laughs> it it cracked, that? it just ripped out of the wall, um, obviously woke me up a little bit, <laughs> woke everybody did up. Did you have but, a good game in the next game? Yeah, we had a good practice. I oh, remember there that. <laughs> there was a lot of running in it, but we were good. Um, but it was a good time. Not a lot of people know that story. I haven't told you, so you guys are special. I like that. I don't, I I don't you. know say no, that. What but, yeah. was
3: Cream's um, <laughs> throwing uh, um,
4: technique? Was it good? Was well, it a like, little girly? Off the off the little side table sidearm. So it just like. Sidearm. Like yeah, and it Good just for him. Came, on, and, came on the wall and hit it. And, and did he uh, sort of
2: immediately fix his hair afterwards? That's yeah. kind of how I see
4: that. I don't here. know. I was probably just shaking like, uh, <laughs> can I go now? Is there a chance that that lamp also served as a
3: tanning mechanism for him? <laughs> Is that possible? I just want to, I don't know. How he was I don't know. Right. I
4: don't know. Hopefully
3: not because it was broke. So, <laughs> Kyle, being back uh, surrounded by all the former players today, who were you most excited as somebody who, respects the history of indiana basketball who are you most excited about seeing today
4: uh alan henderson i wore 44 as well um obviously calbert cheney's one of my favorite players of all time being from evansville as well um but seeing alan henderson someone who's you know just dominated the game and had so much success um, i didn't really get to talk to him officially just kind of said hi in passing but you get a little starstruck Trek tucking to him
3: yes you do <laughs> yeah no, kidding he's he's one of our like great white whale thing yeah. interviews that we're we're trying and we we're we're trying. I yeah. think we I might think he, have
2: hurt our chances today. He met <laughs> us we did talk to uh, him. Yeah. <laughs> so true. Yeah. Alright
3: Kyle, we're gonna get in touch with you to sounds do a long good. form interview. Okay. But uh, good. loved watching you play. You really busted oh, your ass for you. Indiana. I you appreciate we
4: respected it. the hell out of that. Yeah, yeah I appreciate it. So All I look right. forward to the future one.
1: Who's your uh, hysterics hysterics uh,
3: I do kinda wish
2: cream threw the lamp at him. <laughs> <laughs> right? Well, it probably would have ended up being a story we'd all already heard in that case. In this way, at least it was a scoop.
3: Uh, But we're excited to get even more stories from all four uh, staffs that um, Kyle played for in Indiana. But after uh, Kyle, we got to walk around uh, the uh, reception, which was clearing out mostly. But Ward did walk straight up to an absolute legend. Ward, tell us about your interaction And you tell us who it was with.
2: Well, I'm glad I didn't have time to think about it. Because if I had thought about approaching Don Fisher and asking him to come on our podcast, I would have immediately talked myself out of it. Because Don Fisher is cool AF. Don Fisher has 47 years of being cool AF. And is the godfather of interviewing Indiana basketball players and head coaches. And how dare we approach him, period, in life. And he looks cool. He
3: Leather bomber jacket. Radiates cool. Yes. He's like Paul Newman or Steve McQueen. <laughs> That's what I thought. I thought he was Steve McQueen. And I think Don Fisher thinks he's Steve McQueen. And I don't mind
2: it. No, no. That, the confidence is part of
3: the allure. And so you went up to Don Fisher, introduced yourself. Had he ever heard of us?
2: When I mentioned who I was and our podcast, there was absolutely no reaction from him whatsoever. <laughs> At that point, it might have been more of like he was just trying to feel me out. Like, how did you get in here? And why isn't there more security?
3: But, Lord, in your defense, as I moved over, I was talking to Dr. Rink for a little... The legend, Don, Larry Rink, who got recognized at halftime during the Alan Henderson, before Alan Henderson spoke, they lined up all the former players and managers, and then really recognized Dr. Larry Rink's contributions to Indiana University, which alongside Tim Garl are unmatched by anyone in the history of Indiana basketball. I mean, Don Fisher is the only one there who's been as long. Right. It's it just incredible. So I moved over because I couldn't let Ward have all of Don Fisher to himself. Well, I wanted you over quick before I blew it. But as I walked over, I heard Don Fisher saying, you guys, after this season is over, you reach out to me and we'll do this interview. So we got Don Fisher come in probably this summer.
2: That could be an eight-part, 16-hour podcast. I'm sure he won't want to do that with us. But here's the guy who has... Always found out and extracted the opinions and insight of generations of players and coaches. It's going to be our chance. And if the listeners have any questions between now and then, they want to flow to us, please. Like, w- what are his opinions? What has he seen and in his insight?
3: You get a little taste of it when he goes on Dakic. He does it pretty regularly and he's really good with him and kind of gives his impressions and his thoughts. But he's a treasure trove of Indiana history and it'll be really fun to go down memory lane with him. One thing we failed to mention, before we took off for Cook Hall, we did walk back onto the floor of Assembly Hall and just were two kids. Right, that was before Cook Hall, wasn't it? Uh, Yes, correct. And we were just two kids, like in a candy store. We laid down in the middle of the center court.
2: Well, and I'm not sure if in the video we tweeted out, I said this. But the way I felt, instead of awkward, because there were still a few people in there watching us do this stuff, and I would have thought, oh, like let's get this video and get out of here. But my back and arms, as they draped across the center court, felt so relaxed, like I was at a spa that I never wanted to leave. The healing powers of Assembly (laughs) Hall. (laughs) Like we said, it was like the hot springs in Arkansas that FDR used to go to to heal himself. That's what that place is for indiana basketball fans
3: uh except for one thing when i laid down on my back and my butt hit the floor the same floor that almost exploded my butthole did, explode. did explode my butthole for many months oh man guy behind us just looked around at us when we said that uh it, all i'll say is my body remembered that moment and it reminded me don't, don't do that to us again. So after Cook Hall, as we're leaving, we got a little text from Mr. Brian Snow telling us that India Franklin, Armand's mom, was mad at us because we told her we were going to say hi to her at the game and we just didn't get a chance to with the press conference and everything, and we missed her. Well, we were not going to let India Franklin be upset at us. We texted her. She said she was at Applebee's. We went to Applebee's where we embraced her. Armand was there. We told him great game. We hugged her. We showed her our love because we love India Franklin.
2: And, And if any of them are listening, thank you to all of the extended Franklin family who seemed maybe a little alarmed, certainly unsure of what we were doing and why we were there. And and why not, were we asking to be introduced to their family? And how long was it going to take until we left them and they were able to resume their meal in peace? <laughs> I don't know why I
3: felt compelled to ask what flavor wing Armand was eating, <laughs> but I did, and it was Honey barbecue.
2: Well. I know why you ask. It's the same reason we went to Buffalo's today. We love wings. (laughs) We want to know what's out there and what people like. And look, these guys, a big part of this, the Texans just missed a field goal. It's great, Um, is is getting to know these guys off the court. And now, you know, if you see Armand out at Applebee's, obviously you can't buy him. Impermissible benefit. Yeah. But, you know, you know, uh, you know, what? He, like maybe after he graduates, you could hook him up. Everybody send
3: Armand honey barbecue wings when he graduates <laughs> and hangs a banner in assembly hall. So after that, we headed over to Nick's where we won't go through every beat of the night, but we just got to celebrate that win and that feeling of this could work. This feels good well, with and- pl- with some of the coaching staff was there. So the pig staff was the there. The pig staff was there, and tons of fans, and we just got to spend the night between Nick's, then going to Culver's and hang out with Scott Laskowski, then back to, to Nick's, Knicks. smuggling
2: in the Culvers. We brought. We did. We brought.
3: People. We brought Culver's hamburgers into Nick's, and Rabbi and Bykoff tore it up. So did our friend Amanda; she tore that up too. <laughs> and then from Nick's to the Bluebird, back to our home what will forever be our home now.
2: Yeah, and and Hayden was there, the manager who took such good care of all of us at the event, and Dave Kubiak, the owner, was in the house. Dave, who is the
3: guy who allowed us to do our event at the Bluebird, and we have not seen Dave. Dave couldn't be at the event. Hayden was running it, so we got to thank Dave in person and talk to him, and
2: Hairbangers Ball was there. And rocking every bit as hard as they were 20 years ago. And so were we. We, uh, yeah. I mean, that was, and, and that's the, the sort of the physical release of the weekend of screaming at the game and headbanging at the bird. I mean, as much as we ate, we burned some calories too. Yeah,
3: we did, but I gained 40 pounds this weekend. <laughs> There's no doubt. Uh, the night ended the only way it can in Bloomington. It was 4 a.m., and Ward and I were laying in his hotel bed, eating a Big Ten special from Pizza Express, watching Indiana highlights. It
2: was the perfect end to the perfect weekend, and we'll just sort of not think about this, what we're doing right now, is the end. <laughs> that,
3: that right. This is weird. Yeah. In a Delta Sky Lounge, half whispering, surrounded by people who think we're crazy, talking about our weekend, with
2: voices that can barely get the words out. Did I mention that I have some voiceover work at 9 a.m.? Is that true? It is true. After after we're done recording this, I probably shouldn't talk for the next 12 hours.
3: (laughs) Oh, my God. Well, everybody, I hope you enjoyed the weekend of tweeting. We tried to fill you in on everything that was happening. And I hope you enjoyed this very strange and unique podcast. But we just wanted to share as much of really the game and the game experience and what it felt like afterwards with all of you. As always, the support you guys have given us, you guys coming up to us in Bloomington, uh, it just makes this whole thing so, so special. And like Ward said at the beginning, makes us feel like we are part of this thing that we've loved our whole lives in a way that we've never felt a part of it. So thank you. Follow us on Twitter, at Hoosier Hysterics. For the hysterics, no E, no I, but the sometimes... Why? <laughs> you really were late on that. I was. I'm gonna. He's, he's fallen asleep. <laughs> uh, we love you guys, and uh, back to interviews next week. Go
2: Hoosiers.